Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Drop Bass Not Bombs podcast. I'm your host, Amy Farina, aka MC Unicorn. And on today's episode of the podcast, I sit down with the legendary hardcore MC, DeMouth of Madness. Since the 90s, DeMouth of Madness has been referred to as the voice of hardcore, rocking stages all over the world at events such as Tomorrowland, Thunderdome, and DEFCON 1. We cover a variety of topics in this episode, such as how he went from the hip-hop scene to the hardcore scene, tips and tricks for up-and-coming MCs, and how he's gotten through his dark days. And, as always on this podcast, how he raves for a cause. So, just a note, in this episode, when we mention hardcore, we are again referring to the subgenre of electronic music that originated in the Netherlands in the 90s and is categorized by its fast BPMs and distorted kick drums. I go into more detail on hardcore and other subgenres in the intro for episode 002 with Rob G, if you want to learn more. I also just want to point out that this episode was recorded on June 25th, the weekend before clubs and festivals opened in the Netherlands for a minute, basically, before they closed again. And today is August 6th, and the government in the Netherlands announced this week that one-day festivals with a maximum capacity of 750 people are allowed to take place. The situation here continues to change week by week, sometimes day by day. In this episode, we do talk about the excitement of getting ready to go out again and events during the pandemic. That being said, if you are planning on attending events, regardless of where you are, please check your local guidelines and party safe, everyone. We also talk about substance abuse and mental health in this episode. Please, if you're struggling, seek help and know that you're not alone. So without further ado, one quick message from our sponsors and then right into the interview. Hey, hi, Sitsa. Hi, hi. So let's get started. I want to start first with who you are, where you're from, what do you do? Well, my name is uh, Sitsa van Dalen. People also know me as the Mouth of Madness. Uh, I'm MC from Thunderdome, and recently I'm also the MC from Dr. Pico. That's awesome. In a, so, that's in a nutshell, then. And I'm here for 25 years. So, awesome. so how so, are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Everything's good. Just been busy, busy with the podcast and all my projects and stuff. So how did you get into the scene? Well, actually, somewhere in 1991, 1992, I was still involved uh, as a rapper in a uh, hip-hop formation called To Them Dope. Um, the DJ from that formation, he started to discover house music. And, um, well, actually, in the beginning, I wasn't, like, all into the music because I was strictly hip-hop. But after going to some illegal parties like Multigroove and stuff, I felt the vibe. And from that moment on, I uh, was involved, but not as an MC yet, but more as a real gamer, you know, like a real visitor of uh, rave parties like a raver. And um, after a while, that same DJ, DJ Uzi, he started to play records on parties. And now and then, because of the good old days, I grabbed the mic and started to spit a little bit. And uh, one certain day, Sander Groot, 
from IDNT, he saw us and uh, he saw that we were moving the crowd and uh, he was really excited. So from that moment on, he said, look, I would like to do some tryout with you guys for Thunderdome on tour. And that was in 1995. And that went really well that year. And in 1996, he placed us on uh, Thunderdome 1996 in uh, the FEC. In Leeuwarden. And from that moment on, uh, yeah, it all started. That's really cool. So for those people who do not know, so some younger ravers or people who were not in the Netherlands in the 90s, can you talk a little bit about what, what were the parties like back then, especially the illegal parties? What were those like? Well, actually, the illegal parties were absolutely fabulous. I mean, like, you didn't have to go for comfort or whatever. It was really raw, really industrial. Uh, just like in the States, we were using warehouses and, uh, and, and barns and shit like that. Also outside, we had some locations in parks. And uh, Multigroove was one of them. Yes, yeah, sometimes we had like this location without even uh, sanitary like toilets and stuff. So it was really raw and uh, always shitty equipment and no laser lights or whatever. It was strictly for the music and a bunch of young kids coming together, going crazy. So, okay, I'm curious. So what did you, what if someone had to go to the bathroom? There were no bathrooms there were no toilets what did you do <laughs> well people went outside and did their stuff outside that's what they did you know but this was the early beginning i mean like this is uh this when this thing was still illegal so is it crazy you've been in the scene for a long time is it crazy for you to see what the parties are like now i mean think of defcon for example with the luxury camping and the showers and the VIP area, is it, is it crazy to you now? to see Well, it- crazy is not the exact word I would use. I would say sometimes I'm like amazed to see where we're coming from and where we are right now. I mean, like it, it was a whole journey through like 30 years or something like that, but it really evolved to this big, uh, to this big uh, scene, you know, and uh, worldwide, international. So with that also comes more luxury and more professionality, I think. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty proud of what we've built through the last couple of years, but sometimes it's also a little bit like, how you say it? Well, that you, well, maybe I'm too nostalgic here, but that you miss that old feeling, you know, you didn't have to worry about shit. Yeah, where to shit when you had to take shit, you know, but (laughs) that's it. You know, for the rest, it was all about the music, no dress codes, strictly music, you know, uh, and uh, it was about a... bunch of young kids finding each other, you know, uh, with uh, the interest for the same music and having a good time, no rules, no people guarding the door or whatever, you know. So, yeah, I really love how things are going nowadays. But, yeah, sometimes I'm uh, reminiscing, you know. 
thinking back about the old days and shit. Yeah, I understand. It's similar in the U.S. as well. The U.S. rave scene also started, you know, very humble beginnings and tunnels and warehouses and things like mm-hmm. that. And then now you have these massive festivals. And yeah, it's, it's of course, more commercial now. But you still have underground parties uh, in the U.S. and in the Netherlands, of course. Oh, yeah, definitely. So the underground scene is still alive. Yeah, <laughs> uh, definitely. So I want to talk a little bit about the history of MCs in the hardcore scene. So for people who don't know, MCs, you know, it's not something that's popular in every genre of music. We, we don't see it in trance music, for example. You don't see it really in, in house music. It's more in drum. Well, you see it, but it's more like hosting, you know, like announcing the next DJ and that's it, you know. But uh, yeah, drum and bass and hardcore are the... Uh, or the exception of that, definitely. So what's the history of that? And maybe you can tell people, like, what do you do as an MC? What does an MC do exactly? Well, an MC, first of all, is the guy actually who is like your host. He, uh, he uh, is the guy who says, welcome to all of you. And besides that, he's also the guy that from the moment on <clears throat> that the crowd uh, doesn't put it on his own that they actually uh, can do something with a vocal to uh, to turn that around you know so when people start to talk and I'm on stage and I see that in the audience or they go to the bar and having drinks and are not into the music anymore from that moment on I need I need to step in because at that point the DJ can't do it on his own and from that moment on, I try to hype the party up so that people are back on track. So this is actually what I do. Besides that, I also write my own lyrics for a lot of tracks. And um, yeah, the, about the history of MCing, a lot of uh, early race DJs actually came from the hip hop. Just like my DJ, you know, DJ Paul, a lot of them played like a lot of uh, disco, but also hip hop, DJ Gizmo, Dark Raver, people like that. And because of that, they were always interested in MCs. So some of them took their MCs to parties and it wasn't like nowadays, like the MC is hosting the whole party. No, it was like, for example, uh, DJ Paul Elstak and MC Ruffian. It was like DJ Uzi and the Mouth of Madness, more like that, you know? Uh, or rather than Terror Corps in an act. But we were only there for like one hour with one certain DJ and then we, uh, we went on to do the next party or whatever. But um, this is how it started with MCing and later on it, developed more like it was um, like this uh, hosting thing, you know, because DJs also needed to be announced on parties. And yeah, this is actually uh, how our role changed through the years. So now we are host and also like this hype guy, this wingman of the dj you know give it a name so what do you, what 
So what do you like the best? Do you like hosting? Do you like making tracks? Do you like a little bit of every, do you like hyping the crowd? Do you like announcements? Which part of MC? Well, do you actually like the, best? the best thing that I like is like to be an MC of one certain act or one DJ, like I'm with now with Peacock. Because then in one hour, I can do my thing. You know, I don't have to hold back because if I'm there for a whole day, I have to uh, save my strength, you know? Because at that point, uh, I can give it my all in one act because it's part of that act, you know? And if I'm hosting, I'm also emceeing and cheering the crowd, but I also need to uh, save my strength because you know from your own gigs, sometimes you be there from 12 to 12. So those are a lot of hours and you can't peak with everybody. So you really need to figure out how to deal with that and give everybody the attention that they need. But also you need to figure out there's a difference from the moment that the crowd is coming in and then that they leave again. When they come in, you don't need to be like this MC who's hyping everything up because the crowd needs to adjust a little bit, look around, you know, have a few drinks before they're in that state of mind to get into that whole hyping thing and getting crazy on the party, you know? So those are all things that I have to consider on a whole day. And if I'm only with one DJ, I don't have to worry about that. It's wherever I go, I just tear the roof out of this. Uh, people <laughs> and, you can swear uh, you can swear on the podcast yeah, it's okay you can the roof out of this motherfucker and uh and and and, and uh, yeah continue you know that's really awesome so there's a lot of mcs these days as we know so how do you set yourself apart from other hardcore mcs by being myself and actually i don't need to set myself apart as another MC because I'm the original. I love that answer. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good answer. But yeah, I, yeah. I'm not, not only me, of course. I mean, there were some other guys like MC Raw and Ruffian and Ailey. Of course, they're all original MCs. But you see, those are also the guys who all have their own style, you know? So we always been ourselves and yeah, we were there in the beginning and through the years we made it our own, you know, and with our own DNA and that's really important to be yourself. So I agree a hundred percent. So, and that's also what I try to do with my MC as well. I try to, you know, yeah, and you do a good job. Oh, thank Definitely. you. Definitely. Well, you taught me everything that I know and we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> So you mentioned that hip hop has had a, a big influence on you and you come from the hip hop scene. So what influence True. has hip hop had on your emceeing? Well, actually, it's the way I am emceeing. It's my flow. You know, I listened a lot to like Big Daddy Kane, Rakim, uh, Chuck D from Public Enemy, a lot of that stuff I listened to. Um, later on, Wu-Tang Clan and Biggie Smalls, but most of the time it was like the guys I mentioned before, like Rakim and Big Daddy Kane especially, they were my big heroes. 
And these guys teach me how to flow. So <clears throat> even though my accent isn't the best, I do have a flow, you know, and that's really uh, nice to have if you're also writing songs because a great hook needs to have a certain flow, I think. So yeah, that's really important what the hip hop gave me. And also what the hip hop gave me was like the knowledge how to on stage. I mean, like, let's be honest, if you see an MC from hip hop, it doesn't matter if it's a Dre or a Snoop or whatever, from the moment that they're on the stage, they own it. And this is really important. So that little bit of stage performance and the flow, those are the most two important things for me, uh, what helped me uh, into this hardcore business. Yeah, and it's definitely helped you and you've played at so many stages around the world. Is there anywhere that you haven't played that you'd want to play? I, I know the answer, but for the listeners at home, anywhere that you well, want to play? I want to go to the US. <laughs> I want to do an EDC or whatever. This is what I really want to do. And not only because of the party, but because I love the country, you know. Uh, we have a mutual friend by the guy by the name of Rob G. And we spoke a lot about it. And uh, yeah, you know, from when I was a kid, I really loved America. So I definitely want to play there. And uh, I want to go to Japan also. China, those three parts I've never been, but for the rest, I saw everything, even Russia. What was Russia like? Wow. <laughs> no, really, it's really great. You know, we all hear about the politics and shit, but forget about the politics, because at the end of the day, when you go to a country like that, you meet people. And people are like us, you know, with the same needs, the same interests. So like the Russian kids are also into the hardcore and really love that stuff, just like American kids or European kids do. So this is why, you know, music is that bonding thing. It binds us all, you know, and the people were really, really nice, really sweet. And um, Moscow and St. Petersburg are also great cities, like really cosmopolitan cities, you know, really large, like New York, for example. It's that type of city. And uh, yeah, I really had a great time over there. Do you, did you find that the Russian hardcore sound was a bit more, it was like more bouncy? I've, I've listened recently, I think they were called the Russian Village Boys and like that Russian, what's it called? Russian Well, that's music. later so cool. on. That's actually a little bit like the same like your brother does here in Holland. Or you also have some German guys, I forgot his name, but he also does that stuff. I, that's it's nice shit. It's like I like it because it has a certain uh, realness about it. Um, but I was actually talking about like the real hardcore scene with real gabbers and everything. And Russian also has a, has has a scene like that, you know. And uh, we had this party over there called Under Pressure, and they were legendary parties in Russia for like two to three thousand people. I was there first time I came over there. I was with Neophyte, second time I was with the Unexist. 
especially with the Onyxist, we stayed for a week or something like that. Uh, that same week also, Miss Kate and, uh, and Angerfist took us for a trip into Moscow. Uh, we were going out and it was really great going into this crazy taxi ride with the crazy drunken Russian and eating sushi around eight o'clock in the morning and shit like that. It was really crazy, you know, but uh, it was really nice. That sounds really cool. Oh, I have to go there it sometime. Was. That's awesome. Definitely. Definitely. So you travel all the time, all over. Well, now not with Corona, but before Corona. So how do you stay motivated and energized? I know there was one weekend I was with you. You were in France and then you were at Masters of Hardcore and then you went somewhere else, like all in the span of three days or maybe it was France, Belgium, the Masters. I forget there was one year you were like in three different countries in like less True. than three days. <laughs> how do you stay motivated? What? Do, how do you deal with all of that? Oh, well, you know, it's also like taking good care of yourself. I mean, like back in the days, I used to party when I was also performing, but I don't do that anymore. The last couple of years, I really, really treat myself in a certain way, you know. Um, I'm resting a lot, you know, and uh, doing my sports, not eating uh, McDonald's all the time, but having some healthy food, you know, with vegetables and everything. If you do it like that, you you manage that's good so yeah taking care of your physical and mental health that that's the most definitely important. and of course sometimes i still love to party because yeah this is how it goes i mean like i'm that type of guy you know i was born this way so i'm almost 50 now so i don't think that will ever leave but there's a certain time that you need to say all right enough is enough you know what i'm saying like you can't go and drink everywhere you come and doing crazy shit and no now i really enjoy the music and the crowd and then when i'm in a foreign country i also like to visit the the center of the city to see some culture over there have some local food and stuff so besides the party and the raving i also try to educate myself and and treat myself actually with some culture of of the destinated country i'm in at that point yeah that's really cool well i'm sure you're excited mm. to start traveling again and get back out oh, there. i can't wait actually this morning i was doing some groceries i was watching in the sky and i saw this klm plane flying and i was like wow like only like four or five weeks and then I'm back in a plane again. You know? That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. Also, it's, it's been, uh, yeah. I mean, the last party I was at with you was, was March, 2020. And that was, uh, BK Jan, right? Yep. BK Jan versus party raiser at the silver dome. And I mean, yeah. who, who would have thought that we wouldn't have events for a year well, and a that half. was a strange party actually because from that point that was the first day that for example italians couldn't come anymore to the netherlands and actually it was the last big party that we had in holland before the whole uh thing uh blew up you know so yeah that was a really strange vibe was there in that, that party you saw like 
normally there would be much more people, but now you really miss some people who came from foreign countries and uh, because there was also talk about that the party should have been canceled. It was all like, you know, it was on the edge of everything. So, but it was a good party though. It was a nice party to end everything with, but I had to work that night. It was a, for people who don't know what we're talking about. It was a day party um, and I had to work that night. So I went from their home and then to work. But if I knew that was the last party, I would you would have <laughs> you know, tried to, to switch with, or not had not scheduled to work um, that night. Uh, yeah. So it was pretty crazy that that was the last one. Sad, but yeah. we'll be back soon. We'll be back. Really oh, soon. definitely. Definitely. So I want to change, shift gears a little, change the subject a bit and go on a more personal level. So who has been your biggest inspiration throughout your career? That's a good one. I think my biggest inspiration is my son. He's awesome. I've met your son. Because everything I do, I always make decisions in my mind with him in my mind, you know? So he's a big inspiration. And when we talk about like artists, I have some more, of course, but like when it comes to life, he's my biggest inspiration. And when it comes to music or like other people, I have more people i'm really getting inspired by bob marley i really get inspired by muhammad ali i'm really getting inspired by john lennon chuck d from public enemy is really an inspiration and when we keep it a little bit into the hardcore i always was inspired by uh, by busters and DJ Dano, and uh, yeah, yeah, that that's like awesome. that. That's a that's a good list. And uh, so you've been you've been a big inspiration to me. So for those people who don't know, I mean, well, I think thank everybody you. Knows, I think everybody knows I am C. I'm MC Unicorn, and. You have been a big inspiration for me and a big mentor for me. You know, you taught me literally everything I know about emceeing and we've had a lot of conversations and you've, yeah, a lot. I came to you with all my questions and you've supported me. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. I mean, like you're really dedicated and you have a good heart. You're a sweet person and you don't have like an agenda or whatever. I mean, like, uh, yeah, sure. You're a great girl. And, uh, I really support you uh, emceeing, especially as a female, because we could use more female MCs, definitely. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, there's not too many. Yeah. So if anyone's listening, wants to be an MC, call you. Just do it. <laughs> yeah, just yeah do it. always. <laughs> they always can call me, no problem. And just do it. That's awesome. So you're a very busy guy. You have a son. You also have a full-time job, right? And you MC. How do you balance everything? How do you find balance in your life with all these different things? Well, actually, at this point, I don't have a full-time job anymore. I lost that one in Corona, uh, in COVID uh, era. But 
how I did it. You know, this is actually the question I ask myself now I don't have to do that much anymore because actually I did too much because for years I was working and then one weekend I had my son and you know little children are always up early so there was no time to take a full rest or to do sleep out a little bit and then the weekend afterwards, after I finished the whole 40 uh, hours of work week, I had to do like two or three days, the parties again. And at that point, I also was drinking a lot and doing cocaine. So <laughs> I don't know how I did it, but I did it. But I do know that I won't do it like that again. And I don't have to because my son is now 19 years old. I mean, I... If, if he's here, he can stay home, of course, alone. You know, I don't have to watch him. He's a grown kid. So um, I don't do the whole drinking. Uh, actually, I think I don't have to do a day job anymore because I have so much gigs coming my way. So I hope that I all can work less or uh, fully BMC. Oh, that's so exciting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's, yeah, because I think the last time I saw you, well, probably was before Corona. So, well, that's yeah. amazing. So you can focus full time on, on MC. That's amazing. True. And that was the plan like for, for last year already because I signed a contract with Beit Communit. And uh, of course I did it because Peacock is also there. And uh, yeah, we are working really closely together. And this guy has so much bookings that also on weekly basis, like on a Wednesday or Tuesday or whatever, you know, so then it's really hard to have a weekly job. So we already spoke about it that, yeah, when the money's good, you also can decide to do that. And before that, I could have quit a long time ago if I wanted to um, with my job, but the problem was with that shit that, of course, one week I had also my son. And then it's not like you can do like four weekends that you can uh, can provide yourself with the certain money that you have also a secure income, you know, so. Well, I'm really happy for you. That's awesome that, uh, yeah, now you have more time and you can focus fully on your music. So that's really cool. Definitely, definitely. So one of the biggest lessons you've taught me about being an MC is finding my own voice. So finding my True. own voice, finding my own sound. Can you explain the importance of this, not just for MCs, but in general, why it's important? Well, it's general that people know you for who you are and not for you, what you try to be. I mean, like, it's so much more precious uh, for people to know the real you. Uh, because if they really know you, they also know how to, uh, how to take care of you or you will take care of them, you know, and how to trust you. And this is really important. And also on stage, it's really important to have your own identity, to really let people know that you are you because the crowd is not crazy. 
at the end of the day, if you're just a character, you know, the crowd will see you as a character and you become a gimmick, you know, you want to be that real artist, you want to be that real person, you know, you want to be, you don't want to wake up and actually uh, figure out which person you will be this day, you know, no, fuck that bullshit. This is what you see, this is what you get. And yeah, some people will hate it, but also people will appreciate it. And actually the people who appreciate it are the people actually that you want to have in your life, so. I think that's really good advice. Um, I mean, for me, for people who don't know, when I first started emceeing, I got a little bit carried away with the gimmicks. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I'm like, no, but that was all no, good, it, you know. Yeah, I know, but it, it did get out of control with the inflatables and the confetti and the glitter and the costumes. And I mean, it was really out of control. <laughs> and I'm getting like red thinking, thinking about it because it's crazy to think about that. I would show up at a club. I remember one of my first bookings it was in the Hague at this club called Magistrat and it was really a small party maybe like 20 people were there and I threw a beach ball into the crowd and the beach ball fell onto the ground so instead of just taking that as a sign that this is not working I threw another one <laughs> and then I <laughs> shot a confetti cannon you know it's just but it just took time no but it's all me. good you know I mean it's really nice because it's good that you did it Cause you know you won't do it again <laughs> you know yeah. and it's, it's okay to 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 try things out i mean like this is what you need to do because you will never know if you don't and it's really important to see what works and what doesn't work and um this is part of the search uh and the journey about who you really are you know i mean like hey this this suit fits me, this suit doesn't fit me, you know, and and this is what you can learn and, and things that fit you. Yeah, you need to keep that with you, you know, and, and other stuff. Well, let's forget about it. Hey, you know, who gives a shit? You know, maybe you're a little bit embarrassed for yourself, but that's okay. I mean, like, at least you know that something doesn't work, right? Yeah, and people were not happy about me shooting confetti cannons in the nightclub. Like, yeah, that's not nobody. No, but you know, it was. <laughs> I laugh thinking about it now. Like, it just. But you know, through you and through myself, I was able to find my voice and able to 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 find a good balance between being MC Unicorn, which is of course glitter bubbles and bad decisions. It's fun and it's colorful, but I don't need to have inflatables and confetti cannons. And one time I had a bubble machine. I mean, this is all really unnecessary. It, it like it, it turned into something. Totally the only thing that you really, really need to have is your instinct. See what's happening in the crowd. See what's going on with the DJ. And if those two don't match at that point, you need to go to work. That's all you need to do. You know, you need to watch, see what's going on, feel the vibe a little bit. And from the moment, it's all a little bit becoming a little bit lame or people talking to each other, walking to the bar to get some drinks, you know, and the DJ doesn't know anymore. Then you need to step in. Then you shoot them with confetti. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be really nice. No, I'm joking. Never again. <laughs> no, but what you said was true. Like it's it's about connecting with the DJ and connecting with the crowd. And and what you said too, when you see at one point in the night, 
or if it's a festival during the day where people are losing interest, everyone's on their phones or, you know, everyone's walking over to get a drink or things are starting to, yeah, the crowd's starting to dissipate. Then, you know, it's your time to try to reel them back in. That's, that's really true. Definitely. And, uh, and also sometimes not only on situations like that, but sometimes you are actually helping the party to, uh, open up, you know, sometimes people come in and, you know, it's, you, we all had those parties, you know, you walk around a little bit and you're just not sure yet. You know, you walk around, get a drink, you know, DJ is not that excited yet. And there's sometimes you need that voice that says, Hey, <laughs> you know, wait the fuck up motherfuckers. It's party time. You know, let's drop some bass. And then they come back and start partying again. And yeah, yeah sometimes, sometimes it's just the little push, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's okay to go. The MC said so. So let's do it. <laughs> Put the phone away. <laughs> Chug your Put drink the phone away. Definitely. You come didn't back, pay 60 or 70 bucks yeah. only to stand over there with your phone. You know, you can do that tomorrow. Put it away and dance. Yeah, that's that's good advice for sure. So you're always so positive and people can hear that everything we're talking about is so positive. So what advice do you have for people on staying positive during this difficult time? I mean, the situation is getting better, but these are still hard times for a lot of people. So what advice yeah. do you have? Well, try to find some happy happiness in the small things, you know, instead of looking at things that are not there at the moment. See what you still have and be be happy with that. You know, I mean, like, of course I miss everybody. I miss partying, you know. At the same time, I also could work on myself. Did Went a lot to the gym, do a little kickboxing, started to meditate, you know. Uh, worked on myself, you know, trying to be a better person. And, uh, yeah, of course, it's not like that everything worked out like I hoped that it would be. And I have my moments, too, that I really feel like, what the fuck is going on, you know? What the hell is going on right here? It's those days that you wake up and the mood is really dark, you know? But, hey, at that point, what I do is I try to meditate a little bit and Play some Bob Marley songs always helps me and uh, and be happy with the things that I have. I mean, I'm healthy. My family is healthy. My son is healthy. I have a son who's doing great at school. You know, I mean, could have been so much things worse. And with the knowledge that we will get out of this shit, um, try to be happy with the things that you have. That's good. That's good advice. I think it's really easy to just look at the negatives and think, oh, I lost so much money because of Corona or I don't have motivation to to make music or, or things like that. But this is this be- is something, especially what you say there, you know, I mean, like. What type of artist are you? That because you can't go on stage. You lost your touch for like producing or whatever, or do something for your fans. I never get that. Of course, I can understand 
business people are down in a certain situation, but in my in my life, there was always the music to get me out of that shit. You know, I mean, like, where, let's go back to what you said earlier. Where do I get my inspiration from? I get my inspiration also from daily things, but also my mood is a really good indicator about that. You know, because I, I write when I'm in a certain mood. If I'm happy, I write happy songs, you know, but if I'm in a dark mood, I write dark songs. But then that feeling is out of it. So I never understood people who actually did do nothing in the whole like COVID period. I mean, I started with this uh, stream and I worked on my album, you know, went down with a lot of other artists to talk about when we get out of this shit, what to do. And yeah, and I see like, I spoke with a lot of fans of ours, you know, where I actually were like, sometimes really, really sad, you know? So this, this is a way that we could stay in contact with each other and, and take this shit, you know, and, and do something with it together instead of like, well, being in your home, watching Netflix, having a good time with your wife and kids, thinking like, well, actually, let's see this as a holiday because uh, I was so much away. Sure, I get that, but you also have uh, like an obligation to your fans, I believe. I had the same conversation uh, with Rob, actually, and then also with another DJ uh, who I interviewed for the podcast, Neutrophic. And so it's funny now this has come up a few times and I agree 100 percent. I mean, during the Corona, well, you know time, what the fucked up thing is, you know, now when the festival starting again and the events, they are the first time the first guys who will grab the microphone and will, yo, people, we did it together. We all did it. You know, we are back, baby. Well, actually, if I was, if I was like one of these fans, I would definitely say, well, look, thank you for mentioning it, but where the fuck were you? Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, uh, I won't mention no names or whatever, but I was really disappointed in a whole lot of artists. I think, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I've had this conversation now a few times and it's just yeah. disappointing because everybody handled the Corona situation differently. And of course, like, yeah, if you haven't seen your family in a while or you need time to rest, of course, but a year and a half is a long time. So it's a long time. Of course, whenever and besides shut down, that, I mean, like, what is actually your purpose in this world? Is it just for you to be on stage with all these people, or are you a musician? I think a lot of people really need to ask ask themselves that question. You know, is it just like when things are good, it's good? Because, in my opinion, it doesn't always work like that. And this was the time that we, especially this time, that we could do something for the fans, you know. And even if it was a small tribute, like being part of some streams, and of course you don't have to do that like on a weekly basis or whatever, but 
just like Peacock, you know, I mean, like Peacock, he threw out tracks like uh, Idiot with great video clips and everything. Well, that costs a lot of money. That money came from his own savings, you know, which probably also for him is like in a difficult time. But especially in this time, he said to me, it's now important to invest. Invest in ourselves, invest in our vans, invest in the music. And he was absolutely right. And the fans paid him with that for that. Because trip to Valhalla in two weeks' time was like one and a half million uh, listeners. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, there was definitely a need for music and people who, who actually had, had um, well, they could get into the music and then had aspiration. And then sometimes they, they felt a little bit of hope because of the music, you know. So, yeah, what, what are we talking about? It's so important to do. Well, let me say it like this. This was an opportunity for you as an artist to show your true colors. Yeah, that's 100% right. Yeah, this was an opportunity for people. They had a year and a half to, yeah, like you said, work on themselves, make some new music, develop new a new act. So many live streams. I, I, you know, I did a lot of live, too many live streams. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, uh, was a well, actually, the <laughs> live streams was actually really helpful at at the times that people couldn't do nothing. But now people are going out again and they want to have the real thing again. So that doesn't matter how many times you did it. It was really important that you did it because there was a need for those things, you know, and. Um, the same what we did here in Holland. I mean, like we went to a lot of garden parties and in people's barns who actually were having like the small parties for 20, 30 people. Yeah, we never felt like um, uncomfortable to be there. We always did. That was not a money thing, but we could be together and we could play our music, you know, and that's what it's all about. And I get it, of course. I can understand that if you really have some good tracks that you won't give everything away uh, when you can't play it for people. But there were a lot of people who actually didn't do shit. You know what I'm saying? If they did something, then I could, then I could be like, yeah, sure, I get it. But if you don't do shit, well, hey. I think it's really weird and suspicious to see people who who were who before Corona were performing four times on the weekend, you know, all over the Netherlands, in France, in Belgium, Spain, Germany, et cetera, producing tracks every week, touring everywhere, music videos, social media, and then everything just goes dark for a year and a half. And that's it's just I mean, it's yeah, too like, much. It's too much. And like you said, it's just it shows their true colors because, OK, like I said, and I want to say it again, it's about balance. This was a hard time for yeah. people. So, of course, take the time what you need. I also took some time as well. But you got to if, if fans are relying on you and people are relying on you, you got to do at least, you know, some live streams or make some tracks or do some videos or. Do, and especially do in our something. business, especially in our business. I mean, like we are creative people, you know in an artistic way. So a lot of stuff that we do, 
are actually done out of emotion, you know? And even though if you're depressed, I mean, like your music can be like, and of course you will make a different type of music, more vulnerable, but this could be the thing that, that, that could give you like this therapeutic relief, you know? I mean, like, it's not only for the people, but also for yourself. I mean, like, if you're creative people, you can't stop that. That's not like being in the baker, being a baker and know that, all right, this is the dough I put it in the oven and in about 60 minutes, I have some great breads, you know, or whatever. It's not like that. This is this feeling. This is going uh, continuing feeling. And sometimes, yeah, you don't have it. But from the moment it needs to come out, then really it goes, it goes, it goes. So this is why, yeah, I have a certain ideas about uh, how people behaved in COVID. So you've mentioned in interviews before um, about difficult and dark times that you've had in the past. And I've also heard that in your lyrics as well, some, some difficult and, and tough times struggles with your mental health. And how did you get through those times and what advice do you have for people struggling with their mental health today? Well, well, it depends because everybody's a different person and everybody has to benefit the things that suits him or fits him, you know, but, or her, but um, what helped me actually was like that I had some really good friends on my side that never let me down, you know, and that helped me, motivated me to do better, to become a better version of myself again, to find myself again. You see, the problem was like, there was too much mouth of madness and a little less pizza. And now the balance is back, you know. From the moment I'm off stage, you know, then the mouth of madness is going back to his home and uh, and sits is back inside, you know. So me as being myself again, it's a little bit more rational when it comes to certain ideas, you know. I'm, back to basic again. I mean, I, I see that I don't need drugs or whatever to make great music or whatever. And I found a lot of strength in, uh, in meditation and, uh, and going to the gym. That's awesome. What kind of meditation yeah, do you do? Do you, how long do you do it for and what do you what kind of meditations do you do no oh, i try at least for um, um every day for an uh, at least a half an hour and sometimes more and at this point i'm doing meditations with this music on so-called megahertz and stuff like that that gives this vibration that gets you into a good connection with everything around you, you know? And I'm really going good on that. And, uh, and to clear my mind a little bit. And uh, besides that, that combined with like doing a little bit of kickboxing and together with Francois Mars from Thunderdome and uh, also going to the gym 
yeah, that really helps me um, get me in another state of mind, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, meditation yeah. helped me a lot too. Meditation, mm. yoga. But it exercise. starts actually with having some good friends because I have a good team around me and, uh, and people who tell you the truth when you need to hear the truth and not people who actually kiss your ass with everything that you say or do. You know, that's good for your ego, but that's not, not good for your soul. You know, you need people who actually, actually would dare to say things you don't want to hear. It's important to have honest friends, definitely. And someone, yeah, to call you out on your shit and be like, yeah. you need to get your get your life together. What are you doing? Instead you need to get people, your shit together, you buddy. To yeah. Together. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And especially my manager is the type of guy who uh, was really there. Never let me down because this was a process. It's not from one day to the other. It, it takes a little time to see certain things. And when you see them, it also takes certain times to act to the situation, you know, because that's not always that easy. But, well, at this point, I'm on this level, like, that, that won't be a problem in my life anymore. That's amazing. I think that will inspire a lot of people, too. Definitely. I hope so. I really hope so. So the theme on this podcast is raving for a cause. So do you have any causes or issues or things that are important to you? Well, I did a lot of uh, things back in the days for children with cancer. That was uh, Kika. This is how we call it here in, uh, in, uh, in Holland. I did a lot of stuff for them. I also did some stuff uh, for this organization for kids, homeless kids, uh, especially Dutch kids, uh, yeah, who walk away from home or were in a difficult situation. Yeah, that's a cause that I really uh, appreciate. Um, and I also have a warm heart for elder people and their needs. So, yeah. That's cool. I love that. That's really important. Thank I, you. I'm really trying to get more artists and things to to stand. Well, you know this, but that's what I'm about, you know, like standing for a cause and supporting charity and more artists need to to do that. It's it, especially in the hard dance scene. I mean, there are, of course, there's there's a bunch and I've had a few on this podcast and I will continue to have. Well, in the hardcore, it actually happens a lot, to be honest. I mean, at least two or three times a year, I do a benefit party with somebody or I did some stuff myself, you know, but there's always some charity thing going on a couple of times a year that we are totally there with no gigs and, uh, and no fee and, and actually being there and make sure we uh, raise a bunch of money for the good cause, definitely. I don't know how it is in the hardstyle scene, but I definitely know for 100% in the hardcore that as long as I've been there, that this, this also always has been the situation. And also for other courses, not only for Kikao or like younger kids or whatever, but 
also for racism and this type, that type of stuff. So. That's awesome. Well, I hope it continues and I hope there's charity events all the time. <laughs> I, know there yeah, are, definitely. I know there are a lot of cool organizations. There's Hardcore Fighters and True Survivors and Hardcore for MS. There are a bunch. Um, but hopefully more will come up and yeah, just hopefully more DJs will use their brand for good. Like you're doing, you know, like sending positive message and being a positive role model and talking to fans and mentoring up and coming MCs or artists. Like I, I hope to see that more. Well, I hope so too. Definitely. There's always enough room for more. Considering that. Definitely. So we're coming, yeah. we're coming toward the end now. Um, mm -hmm. But I just wanted to talk to you briefly about your DJing because you did start DJing. So mm -hmm. do you prefer MCing or DJing? Uh, MCing. Because the, the DJ thing is not something I want to make a career of or whatever. Look, if I'm at a certain level and people want to book me now and then, that's okay. But you need to be honest. I mean, like, a DJ is a DJ and an MC is an MC, you know. But uh, I did discover uh, playing records or tracks. And I do like it. And um, But that doesn't mean that I see myself, you know, on the main stage of Thunderdome or whatever. Nah, it's more like a hobby type of thing. And if somebody uh, wants to have me as uh, like a DJ MC, yeah, then it's possible. But. So, okay. Let's say you get booked to DJ. Who would you have, mm. MC, who would you have MC for you? Or would you MC for yourself? Uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> it depends, but. I think I would MC for myself. <laughs> so how do you do that? <laughs> well, actually, you know, you have the mic laying next to you. And from the moment you have a break that you know that the record allows you to MC, you can uh, MC a little bit. But if if I have a ruffian over there or an Ailey or the Watcher, uh, then I'm also confident that things will be work out uh, definitely fine. Or MC Unicorn, you know? That would be really cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So if, what if, you, okay, this is the last of the silly questions, but what if, you, <laughs> what if you get booked to DJ and MC at the same party? Would you MC for a little and then start DJing, then MC again? How would you manage that? No, then I would say like, look, let me be the opening act. And... Uh, then I uh, can, uh, because I don't have to, uh, I don't have to announce myself or whatever. Then I can go <laughs> and just grab the mic and do my thing, you know? And actually I already did that one time, so. How did that go? Oh, really great. And I wanted to do it more. I wanted to do it in a, on an uh, in-your-face party in Germany. They booked me there for a ragatech set. And uh, after that, I would be the MC of Peacock again, and that's it. So, but unfortunately, COVID fucked that shit up. But uh, yeah, it will happen again. 
I'm just picturing it. This just it just seems funny. Like, okay, next up on the decks, it's Mouth of Madness, and then it's you, and then it's like make some noise. <laughs> it's, it's just yeah, it's cool. It's really it's, yeah. it's cool. Well, you know, I wouldn't be the first guy who actually was playing his stuff and also doing a little bit of singing. I mean, for example, Three Steps Ahead already did it back in the days. And there were some other people who also grabbed the microphone and did a pretty good job. I mean, Bass D now and then grabbed the mic too, and he has a great voice too. So that worked out pretty well too. Okay, so it's possible. That's, that's yeah, cool. of course it is. Everything is possible. If you want it, you can do it. 100%. I agree. So, okay, last question. Last question, I promise. <laughs> um, a lot has changed from the 90s to today in the hardcore scene. Do you think the mm -hmm. scene now, is the scene now moving in a direction back to the early days or in a totally different direction? What's, what's the future like? What's going on? Well, it will never go back to how it was because simply that's done already. And there are new generations. And what I do like is that I see that newer generation are still inspired by the old days. So the old days are always there. Like it's in the DNA of hardcore or hardstyle, you know? So I'm not so skeptic about the future. I think a lot of good stuff is coming. And um I think a lot of artists also learned from this whole COVID situation. So, yeah, let's see what brings us. But I'm really confident that whatever it will take or whatever it will bring us, it will be great because that's us, the hardcore people. We'll be back again really soon, definitely. Oh, even, definitely. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be. You even better ask somebody. I'm you so better ask somebody. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't wait. Sita, where can people find you? To my Instagram or Facebook, both uh, slash The Mouth of Madness. Um, you also can find me on YouTube uh, as The Mouth of Madness. You also can find me on SoundCloud. And check me out on Spotify, where every week I will make sure that I will add some new hardcore tracks in the playlist that I have going on. Hardcore Never Dies playlist. So awesome. Thank you so much. Do you have any last final thoughts? Anything you want to say or shout out? Well, I want to thank you for uh, for inviting me for your podcast. It was really nice. Thank you. And I hope to see you, but also everybody again really, really, really soon. And uh, I missed everybody. And now it's time to uh, to come out again to come out and play. So uh, let's be hopeful for the future. Thank you. And thanks for being here today. Yes, I will see you very soon, for sure. All right. Thank, thank you, you very so much. much. Have a good weekend. Ciao. Oh, bye. Bye bye. Ciao. Bye. <laughs> so that was my episode with DeMouth and Madness. He's a great mentor and friend, and it was awesome having him as a guest. Coming up very soon, we'll be doing some question and answers, Q&As, AMAs, whatever you want to call them, on this podcast. So this is your chance to ask me anything about electronic music, the rave scene, drop bass, not bombs, and more. You can submit your questions to me via email at dropbassnotbombsnl at gmail.com or on our Instagram. 
You can also send me a voice message on Anchor on the Drop Bass Not Bombs page. You can find all of our merchandise by going to www.dutchravestore.com. We have t-shirts, long sleeves, hoodies, backpacks, and more. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at DropBaseNotBombsNL. Slide into our DMs. Tell us what you thought of the episode or who you want to hear from next. And as always on this podcast, I interview people with different views and opinions that do not necessarily reflect those of my own or those of Drop Base Not Bombs. So see you next time.